Hello and welcome to Alternative News on 3CR. Alternative News is produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament. My name is Ryan Burley. I'm a librarian from Hobart, Tasmania. Today I'll be talking about the Australian bushfires within the context of the global climate emergency. 2019 saw a significant escalation in how the climate emergency is unfolding on a global scale. As we move into the new year, let's take the opportunity to look back at recent developments. By doing this, we can achieve a couple of things. First, we can illustrate just how serious the climate emergency has become. Second, we can highlight the total inability of capitalism to deal with the situation. Fires are an obvious place to start. As most of us know, the current Australian bushfire season has been one of the most devastating we've ever seen. 8.4 million hectares have burned, 4.9 million hectares just in New South Wales, which is more land area than all of Denmark. An estimated 350 million tonnes of carbon have been pumped into an already choking atmosphere. In 2019, Australia's net greenhouse gas emissions from industry, transport, energy production and so on were 560 million tonnes. Emissions from bushfires are not included in this measure. The current bushfire season has contributed an additional 62% to Australia's business-as-usual emissions. Fires like what we're seeing in Australia will become more common as a result of climate change. A 2008 report commissioned by the Australian government predicted the conditions of the current bushfire season almost to a letter, and despite constant disinformation efforts from the Murdoch media and the current government, scientists and experts confirmed that these conditions will continue to worsen. Deteriorating conditions are leading to unprecedented fires, which result in even more carbon being pumped into the atmosphere, which leads to faster global heating. This scenario is known as a feedback loop. Feedback loops occur when an event that is caused or influenced by climate change exacerbates climate change, creating an exponential cycle of degradation. In other words, the worse it gets, the worse it gets. Some feedback loops have the potential to activate runaway climate change, where we'll be powerless to do anything about it. Climate scientists have identified several feedback loops that have already been triggered. I'll talk more about those soon. First, let's look at atmospheric carbon and the central role that it plays in the climate emergency. The concentration of atmospheric greenhouse gases once again reached a new high in 2018, with an average measure of 408 parts per million. This is up from 405 parts per million in 2017, an increase of 0.7%. In 2008, the average measure was 385 parts per million. Compared to that year, the 2018 figure is a 5.2% increase. These figures are not surprising given that global emissions continue to rise. In 2010, global CO2 emissions were 33.1 billion tonnes. In 2019, global CO2 emissions were 36.8 billion tonnes, an increase of 11.1%. Even with all the talk of renewable energy and sustainable development, the simple fact remains that things are getting worse, not better. And here's the thing about atmospheric carbon. Even if every country on the planet were to go carbon neutral today, 
the residual effect of historic emissions will still take us to 1.5 degrees of global warming by around 2030. What we are currently experiencing is the result of a 1 degree increase, an increase in the global mean surface temperature of 1.5 degrees is guaranteed, no matter what we do. How we act now will determine whether we reach 1.5 degrees before turning things back around, or whether we overshoot and hurtle towards 2 degrees, which will be utterly catastrophic. This is the underlying point of the term climate emergency. Mainstream media like to promote the idea that we have 10 years to act, or that we need to do something before 2030. But this is false. We have zero years to act. It's an emergency. We need to act now or suffer the fatal consequences of inaction. Massive fires were not isolated to Australia in 2019. The fires in the Amazon were largely the result of Brazil's far-right president Bolsonaro encouraging violent deforestation to expand the meat and biofuel industries. Extensive fires were also seen throughout Africa, Europe and Asia. The most worrying fires, however, were those in the Arctic. The 2019 fires in Siberia, Alaska, Canada and Greenland were unprecedented in scale. Fires in this region affected areas of permafrost, which does not usually burn. Permafrost is soil that remains at or below zero degrees Celsius for two or more years. Scientists estimate that the total amount of greenhouse gases held in the Arctic permafrost is close to double the amount that humans have emitted into the atmosphere since the beginning of industrialization. It's at this point that we can return to feedback loops. One particularly disturbing feedback loop was discovered in 2019. The Arctic permafrost is melting. In fact, this huge area has now become a net emitter of greenhouse gases as opposed to a net sink. This means that emissions of carbon, methane, nitrous oxide and other harmful gases from the Arctic permafrost have now reached the point where they are no longer absorbed by subarctic forests. As a greenhouse gas, methane is three times more potent than carbon. Nitrous oxide is 300 times more potent. Add to this the fact that the Arctic is warming at a disproportionate rate, as much as three times the pace, and it is obvious that the melting permafrost has the potential to rapidly outrun our ability to do anything about it. To think that we can tackle the climate emergency within the paradigm of capitalism is absurd. It defies the fundamental mathematics of the capitalist mode of production. The basic defining imperative of capitalism is economic growth. And economic growth necessitates the further destruction of nature. It equals more mines and fewer forests. It equals more factory farms and the loss of biodiversity. When it comes to the primal urge for capital to expand itself, Marx is unequivocal. The expansion of value, Marx writes in Capital, becomes the capitalist's subjective aim, and it is only insofar as the appropriation of ever more and more wealth in the abstract becomes the sole motive of his operations that he functions as a capitalist, that is, as capital personified and endowed with a consciousness and a will. The restless, never-ending process of profit-making alone is what he aims at. 
And with regards to the destruction of nature under capitalism, Marx has the following to say in his Grundrisse. Nature becomes for the first time simply an object for mankind, purely a matter of utility. It ceases to be recognized as a power in its own right, and the theoretical knowledge of its independent laws appears only as a stratagem designed to subdue it to human requirements, whether as the object of consumption or as the means of production. Pursuing this tendency, Marx continues, capital has pushed beyond national boundaries and prejudices, beyond the deification of nature and the inherited self-sufficient satisfaction of existing needs confined within well-defined bounds, and the reproduction of the traditional way of life. It is destructive of all this, and permanently revolutionary, tearing down all obstacles that impede the development of productive forces, the expansion of needs, the diversity of production, and the exploitation and exchange of natural and intellectual forces. We can put solar panels on every roof. We can all drive electric cars and eat a plant-based diet. But even if every human on the planet does this, it won't be enough so long as it is done within the capitalist paradigm. There can be no green capitalism. Sustainable development under capitalism is a mathematic impossibility. The only feasible method of mass mitigation for climate change is to adopt a degrowth mode of production. We must shift to an economic model that serves human need, not the hunger for profit. To put it simply, the best tool we have for fighting the climate emergency is socialism. There has never been a better, more appropriate time to transition away from capitalism toward a higher stage of human organisation. Capitalism, for all its faults, has given us the infrastructure we need. If we direct all of the profit-driven energy that is wasted under capitalism, we can easily furnish the needs of people while scaling back the destruction of the natural world. The best hope we have for turning things around is a global, planned economy. Anything else will see us running blindly into the abyss. Of course, there are significant hurdles to overcome. People will need to unlearn a hundred years of anti-communist propaganda. They will need to suppress the knee-jerk reaction that compels them to dismiss socialism without ever questioning capitalism. International cooperation must replace international competition, which means divorcing ourselves from pointless, arbitrary national divisions. We must refuse aggressive foreign policy and resist the influence of the largest single user of fossil fuels on Earth, the imperialist military of the United States of America. And we must overcome the internal divisions created by capitalism, which pit workers against each other. We need to free ourselves from the imaginative constraints of capitalism, constraints that force us to see only the predetermined outcomes that suit the ruling class. When it comes to action on climate change, the capitalist elite and their puppet politicians are stalling. Petty reforms and the merry-go-round of bourgeois politics will not be enough to avert the global climate catastrophe that is unfolding this very moment. We need to cast aside these tools that are no longer fit for purpose and open up our minds and imagine new pathways.
The choices we make in the next few years will determine the odds of survival for every living thing on the planet. That sounds like an exaggeration, but it really isn't. It's one of the most heavily researched, closely interrogated conclusions in the history of science. The simple fact is this. Change is coming whether we like it or not. Either we begin the process of change now, while we still have room to manoeuvre, or we continue to stall and hold on to our comforts while painting ourselves into a corner. The longer we wait, the more difficult it will be to address the problem. And, the longer we wait, the higher the chances that we descend into a global fascist dystopia defined by hunger, war and death. We must not allow the magnitude of the situation to force us into silence. There is hope for the future, but that hope can only be realised if we set aside our differences, roll up our sleeves and work together to cast aside the capitalist system that is churning our planet into dead gold bricks. You've been listening to Alternative News on 3CR, 8.55am, and streaming online at 3cr.org.au. Alternative News is produced by the Campaign for International Cooperation and Disarmament and has been on the air since 1975. My name is Ryan Burley. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.